0: Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know, maybe a year, maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hello, it's Pauline. Welcome to a new episode of Meet the Expats. Today I am with Pamela Drickerman, a journalist and bestselling author of Bringing Up Bébé. She has recently published Paris by Phone, which is a children's book that will take you through Paris. And today we are going to be discussing her vision of Paris through the American eyes and children's education. Hello, Pamela. How are you?
1: Hi, Pauline. I'm very good. How are you? Oh,
0: very well. Thank you. It's really great to have you on this podcast. I was very excited when your publisher reached out to me.
1: Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here.
0: So today we're going to talk a little bit about your latest children's book. Before we jump into that, I'd like to come back to your beginnings of moving to Paris. When did you move here? What was the context for you? I moved
1: here in 2004. I sort of I feel like people don't move to Paris necessarily all at once. They sort of mm-hmm. like the classic story is like you come for a visit or you come for six months and you ended up staying 20 years. <laughs> so it sort of, it's like it's a black hole that just sucks you in. There's like a beautiful black hole, but so many people have the same story in a way. So I came, but sorry, that's a that that was the intro to my my response, which is that I I moved here in two thousand four, right? And I moved here not with the like dream of Paris, okay. Um, sadly, because I think a lot of people come like having always wanted to High live in expectations Paris. of the city. I'd say, yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, on, I guess on the one hand, it's good not to have those high expectations mm. because you're not going like, to suffer from you know, Paris syndrome where you're incredibly <laughs> depressed about what the city is really like. But, but I think having always dreamt of Paris helps you sort of a- adjust because you're so excited to, to finally be here. Whereas in my case, I, um, I grew up in Miami, right. and which is a Latin American city. Hmm. And it was like becoming a Latin American city when I was growing up there. Okay. And I was fascinated by Latin America. By I always studied Spanish. I became a journalist who covered Latin America. I lived in Argentina, Mexico, Brazil. Oh wow! So and 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 I loved all those countries. I loved discovering new countries. I ended up covering like elections in Peru and Venezuela and and so but so on a trip to Argentina, I met this British journalist who was in town for a week covering a story in Argentina but who lived in Paris. Okay. And we we got along quite well. As he would say. <laughs> you connected. <laughs> <We> connected. <laughs> so, I um moved to Paris to be with him. Okay. But That's not nice. to be in Paris. It was sort of like despite the fact that he was okay.
0: Paris. <laughs> I'll deal with the fact that I have to move. Right. <laughs> Would you have rather moved to the UK?
1: No, because um, then I wouldn't have had Paris. Right. Yeah. No, at Paris was... I, I was afraid of Paris. Like, it, I felt...
0: Why? Why was that?
1: I, I felt that I was going to just be like outclassed out snobbed like I knew I knew Paris was going to be much cooler than I was and skinnier (laughs) and prettier and like I just knew I was going to be at a huge disadvantage in Paris as a kind of as an American woman especially I was yeah I was afraid I was afraid of Paris kind of snubbing me and looking down on me Which it did immediately. I mean, yeah, that yeah,
0: that is a bit of typical Paris. (laughs) 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 That's true. (laughs) I mean, being French and not necessarily having lived in Paris all my life, but having um, lived a few years in a small town in France, there is like that snob piece exists within France of Paris versus versus the rest of France, which is basically considered as the countryside for parisians
1: yeah i mean look at any french novel like 19th century novel it's all about these sort of simple farm girls or boys <laughs> moving to paris and moving being to like spat out by the city yes so yeah i i guess i identify more with like uh Provincial French person than with a Parisian. <laughs> Although now I'm a I, having lived here so long, I'm a, I'm a kind of Parisian snob who looks down. <laughs> you adapt quickly
0: after. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so you had this idea that yeah, P- Paris was a bit of a snobby city. What else did you have a bit, or do Americans have in their mind or imaginary about Paris before actually?
1: I thought about the food. I think mm. that's a big part of what people, Americans think about when they think about France and Paris in particular. And I was this really typical American who, I, I was a vegetarian. I was on like this low carb <laughs> diet. <laughs> I I mean, as an, as Americans are taught to do is, I thought that like part of, discovering who I am as a person was discovering what kind of food I want to eat and kind of okay. shaping a personal eating plan. All that right. was part of my identity, I think, was showing what I don't eat and what I do eat. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't super mm-hmm. pretentious about it. It wasn't that I was yeah. announcing it all the time, but I think I was very much in that mindset. And I was very much um, American in the sense that like, I not that I was I was just sort of like an uh, an ordinary neurotic, <laughs> but I'd been in therapy in New York. Like I'd been in group therapy, and like I just I talked about it with people, and I assumed like that was the norm. That was the norm. I mean, I think everyone here is in therapy too, to be honest. Yeah, but
0: probably it was <laughs> actually a great show on Arte right now. That's called In Therapy. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've
1: seen the U.S. version of that. I haven't yet seen the French version, but I think it's based on it like an Israeli original show.
0: All right. So,
1: but you could, yeah, you could do it in any country pretty much. Yes.
0: I think any country with a big city, as soon as you're in a big city, you sort of tend to go to therapy at some point, I feel.
1: Yeah. But I think in France, the difference is that people don't discuss their inner Mm -hmm. lives as well. They don't consider it. Yeah. I mean, you would with a close friend. Yeah. But it's not
0: going to be spread out to the world that.
1: Yeah. Like here, it's much cooler to sort of quietly know yourself, (laughs) seriously know yourself again, like in among close friends, of course you would reveal your vulnerabilities, but I think in certainly I was living in New York um, as well before I moved here and you would tell anybody kind of, it was having this sort of like um, neurotic dialogue about who you think you might be was considered charming Right, and in New York, and here in Paris, it was considered strange. And also, I couldn't do that in French. I mean, I could barely. I could barely. Yeah, true. I,
0: there is a language barrier when you're trying to look into yourself. You need the language. Frankly.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've since tried to do therapy in French, which was like its own saga. But it must be a
0: good experience.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's good as language training. I'm not sure it's good
0: as yeah. um, psychological. Training. <laughs> help you know. maybe not the most effective for yourself
1: yeah. <laughs> anyway which is all, all which is to say uh, that I was kind of unprepared for France
0: okay and so what sort of shocked you or was very different when you arrived to that imaginary that you had even
1: though I thought that like you know Paris was this beautiful, indifferent woman who uh, would not care when I arrived. I really was surprised by how unfriendly the city felt. Mm. I, I felt like I arrived, but I did not make a sound, as I say. It was I, I, I really felt incredibly lonely at the beginning.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel the prisons aren't very open and open. Yeah, no one's going to notice you unless you actually make the first first step I feel
1: but I didn't even feel that other expats were that welcoming Hmm. I felt like people were busy trying to seem Parisian to fit in to have their sort of attitude about being a foreigner here and that I was going to cramp their style because I didn't know anything I was kind of baggage (laughs) so I yeah I it could have also just it could have just been me (laughs) like I'm I'm pretending this is a cultural problem, and when in fact, it was just, um, nobody wanted to be friends with me, but it just, it took a while. Yeah. It really took a while. I would, I I have a very different, different impressions of the city now, having lived here that long, but the beginning, I was kind of a trauma.
0: Yeah. I, I do understand that it takes time. I feel that in Paris, everything takes a lot more time when you're trying to build connections because, versus... Other smaller cities in in France, they're all so busy. It takes you ages to go from one place to another. And there's just this stress building of it takes effort to actually go and meet people.
1: Yeah. I, I had an easier time. Of, I remember when I moved to Sao Paulo. Yeah. I felt like within a week, I was like yeah. part of the city. But um, yeah, Paris was different.
0: Yeah. I, I, so I, I mean... You- yeah, I feel that also moving back to Paris, although I've lived here years before, I I still feel like there's, as if I have to start a bit of, start from scratch, even though I have friends here, but still make that effort to go forward. Yeah. Towards but them again.
1: but it, one thing I was going to say is that somebody told me when I was in the sort of depths of despair, um, I also moved to Paris at the beginning of winter. Mm-hmm. And I had yeah. never, no one had prepared me for the fact that it's like, six months of gray skies and freezing cold (laughs) weather and yeah (laughs) I think I didn't have a proper coat yet and it was just but um uh, somebody who uh, a friend of my mother's who had moved when she was my age to Italy told me that it takes two years to really get into the flow get in
0: yeah which is pretty yeah it's longer than in some other expat cities I feel
1: yeah yeah
0: so, staying with these cultural differences in in Paris, I'd like to move on to the education piece, where you've talked a lot about education. You've written a few books about them, and just run through a couple of differences that you saw with France versus the the US. Yeah,
1: just to clarify, you're you're yeah. using education in the yeah. French sense, but yes, I think in the um, sort of even in the Anglo-American sense, yeah, uh, uh, um, upbringing. Yeah, raising, raising kids, what parents do. We call exactly. it, especially the new word is parenting, of course. Okay, yeah.
0: parenting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what struck you first and what did you really notice as a major?
1: Well, I think my, I really did have this thunderbolt moment when I, lots of things that I had seen suddenly like registered as a major difference. And it's, I describe it in, in bringing up a when I was in a, my daughter was about a year and a half old and we were in a restaurant, like an outdoor restaurant seaside, on the seaside. Mm-hmm. We were on vacation and my daughter was literally like throwing food everywhere and making a fuss. And my husband and I were just miserable. We hadn't had like a proper meal in, days because one of us would chase her around the restaurant while the I mean it seems mm. amazing to me now and she's she also just left to go to like a babysitting job <laughs> she's, she's a civilized money earning you know like Young person now. <laughs> yeah but there were there was just crazy times but i assumed that that was normal that that's how kids mm. act at that age and that there was nothing i could do to change it and i looked around the restaurant and we're surrounded by french families with kids the same age and they were having like starter main course, coffee, dessert, <laughs> dessert, dessert, coffee, whatever the order is like they our were having, meal <laughs> right, they were having they were their kids were sitting calmly in their chairs, they weren't like strapped down to their chairs, they were happily eating and enjoying. they were part of we had made uh, our child the total focus of our lives, and she set the tone for our the whole rhythm of what was happening, whereas mm-hmm. the French families, the children somehow like fell into the family's rhythm. Mm-hmm. So everyone was calmer and happier, it seemed. So from there, that was sort of my de-click moment. And I realized, like, I'd seen lots of differences. Everything from when I was pregnant to, um, you know, what the pediatrician had told me. And I thought, like, for instance, when my daughter was, like, probably a month or two old, French neighbors started asking me, like, is she doing her nights already? Right. And uh, which I thought was like an adorable French way of <laughs> saying it to begin with. But also like what six week old baby sleeps through the night? That's that like crazy barely any.
0: OK. <laughs> no, barely any. <laughs> right.
1: But I think by two or three months old in France, it's quite normal to have your right. baby already kind of doing their nights. Doesn't happen to everyone, but it's mm. not at all surprising. Okay. And I knew American and British and Irish moms who with two-year-olds who still wake wake up woke up during the right. night, um, and that would be really an aberration here. It wouldn't.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely feel that two-year-old here is quite far. I can't completely judge. I'm not a mother, but uh, having a lot of young parents around me who uh, yeah. have newborns or like young children. I I think listening to them six months to 18 months is like generally what they've been seeing. Okay. Like, Yeah, I think listening to them around 18 months is generally the max it's starting to be uh it's started starting to be quite long but two to three months i very rarely heard oh, okay.
1: heard it it's Maybe. really the lucky
0: parents i think okay <laughs> well it
1: may be changing here it might
0: be changing yeah, yeah
1: certainly but there were in many realms there were just lots of very subtle but very important differences that seemed mm. to make parenting while still, like, very busy and stressful, of <laughs> just a lot easier. Right. And I began, like, looking at um, social science research, um, comparing the two cultures or, or looking at what's done in, in each mm. country. And I, yeah, I started to feel like I this is a book, like this, this is something I'd like to share with other people because yeah. it's been really helpful for me.
0: Yeah, and do you, have you sort of found out w- why there are those differences?
1: I think it's a series of assumptions, partly cultural assumptions that are like come down from history. You know, some yeah. of them come from terrible histories, like right. the fact that most French babies used to be spent, essentially dropped off at wet nurses for a few years. Yeah. yeah, where sadly, like a lot of them would die because the conditions mm. were so terrible. So mothers there's this tradition of mothers expecting to sort of get their lives back almost immediately and not breastfeed um, that has been carried down and translates into this much more compassionate, involved form of parenting, uh, but that nonetheless leaves women thinking that they have a right still to be women fully, even once they're moms. Mm. But I think it also comes from the... The, what the government provides in terms of support for to, yeah moms. I think that has a huge, not just health care, but mm. the pressures that are subsidized by the state. Yes, uh, The fact that um, nannies are subsidized by the state. Hmm. Um, the fact that school starts here the year that kids turn three. So yeah. full-time preschool, free preschool is universal. Hmm. And in poor neighborhoods, it starts uh, when kids are two. So that and then, of course, there is, which is shocking only to Americans, like national paid maternity leave, yeah, uh, which isn't even hugely generous in France compared mm. to like Scandinavian countries. But yeah, some countries
0: have longer. but
1: Right. But nonetheless, compared to America where there is no national Nothing. paid maternity yeah. leave, it's, a, it's an incredible support for mothers mm. and it encourages them to have more kids. I mean, the studies show that the better these supports are, the happier moms are and the more likely they are to have kids.
0: Right. Yeah, I never thought about the the social, the government's involvement and the social benefits that you could get and how that could actually impact how you decide to, like, found a family and raise uh, raise your children the time that you take for your yourself.
1: You Absolutely. Say. I mean, you wouldn't want your decision to have kids be, to be, like, a totally economic calculation. No, of course. But... Of course, that factors into it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, in addition to, like, after I wrote this book and did all the research for the book, I really became a kind of advocate. There are people who are much bigger advocates than I am, but I have written and I support very much the idea that the U.S. should have these kinds of supports for moms because we have a lot of rhetoric about family values in America, Mm. but not a lot of actual support for uh, yeah. Working mothers, in particular, working parents in general. Yeah.
0: Okay. I think let's move on to the new book. So Paris by Phone. So this is a children's picture book. Can you tell us a bit more about how this how this came up? How this idea started?
1: Um, it came out of a conversation that I had with my daughter. She was a lot younger before she was babysitting um she was very mad at me i think she wanted to stay up late and i said no uh, because i was being french (laughs) and
0: bedtime is bedtime (laughs) bedtime
1: bedtime. this is this is parents time now it's my time right (laughs) and she said she was really mad at me and she said i am she looked at my phone and she said, "I'm going to pick up this phone and I'm going to dial a number, and whoever answers, that's going to be my mother." And was rough. Yeah, it was really rough. And she actually said, "I didn't put this in the book, but she said, and she's going to smoke." Because <laughs> <laughs> like, she knew that I thought, like, so what was the idea about
0: a mother who smokes?
1: Is that a cooler wall or? <laughs> it was that she would breathe in secondhand smoke, so that would doubly torture me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but maybe it was a cool thing.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I used to think when when I was a child, <laughs> um, my mother used to smoke when I was younger, but she quit when I was about maybe twelve years old. But I thought smoking was cool at the time. But it was also a generation thing. Where in the nineties, at least in France, it was sort of cool to smoke. Right. Um, but it passed me. I didn't end. I didn't smoke in the
1: end. So okay. Well, I hope that. Um... I hope my dad won't either. But anyway, I really like this idea that um, – I didn't like the idea, but I was very struck by the idea that we're so all sort of trapped in our families, in our homes, mm-hmm. in our apartments, like whatever you happen to be born into. Yeah. And, and that the way out that your kids can think of is this like contraption that you carry around everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the modern nice. escape. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I thought a lot about the idea of a Paris for Americans and how it's like our ultimate plan B. Like, I'll just quit my job and move to Paris. Or I'll just like, if everything goes wrong, we'll just go to Paris. Or let's just go to Paris for the weekend. Everything will be better there.
0: Why? Why is it that there's this image? Why is Paris sort of considered as the escape?
1: I think that this may be something I read somewhere, but every every place needs its other place, its Mm. kind of mirror image. And France is similar enough to America to be considered like a worthy rival, but then it's different enough to seem exotic. Okay. And it excels in areas that we don't necessarily value. It's, you know, like this is, very much a generalization but like you know in the sort of sexual realm like we're the puritans who can't Mm. handle our own desires and need to box them in and france is the place where desire is valorized (laughs) and uh accepting pleasure is considered like an act a great act of adulthood and freedom okay um and we are of course we care about art and culture but we consider it those to be secondary things, elements mm-hmm. of society. Like you can always cut the arts budget. Whereas in yeah. France, art is um, considered a, an essential part of life. So they're all- Until
0: these- COVID, but yes. <laughs> Until COVID,
1: when all the museums closed. <laughs> but, uh, but but and I mean, I, I, I don't mean that like, I don't want, mean to exaggerate the description of either yeah. culture, but I think it, It is essentially in some way, it has some essential truth in each place. And I think the reason why Americans, Americans have always looked to Paris Mm. and to France. Yes. uh, Benjamin Franklin came here before America was even a country and was Mm. like, he went to Versailles, he, he sort of visited the court, and then he walked around Paris and he was totally dazzled. So if you read his letters home, it's, you know... Uh, he talks about how he was transformed by his visit. He says like, I was very nearly making love to my friend's wife (laughs) and he buys this new kind of wig and he buys new clothes and it kind of sets the tone for the quote unquote simpleton American who comes to Paris and is just transformed by it into a new sophisticated type of person. (laughs) And then there are all kinds of um, political connections between America and France from the beginning, like, helping each other with our our respective revolutions and you know france is our first ally it's like a safe place we've never been at war with france so it's like the place that's it you can you can tease americans can tease france because Mm. it's like you're teasing a a cousin in a way you have this we have this deep connection so so i wanted to play with that in the book too
0: yeah so Paris becomes the escape
1: yes exactly
0: for the little Josephine.
1: <laughs> For Josephine, yeah.
0: Right. So Paris would be dependent to the U.S., but why does she feel that she belongs in this city? What makes her feel? Yeah, why is she different? a
1: little girl in America obsessed with France? Yes. It happens a lot. Like If okay. you talk to a lot of the Americans who are in Paris now, especially like young women who've moved to, to Paris, or who are studying abroad in Paris and you ask them like why they're so interested in France, why they've studied French or French history, or French literature. They're often, they'll often say like they've always been obsessed with France. There's something about it. And I think yeah. it trickles into the culture in America. There's for certain, for certain people, mm. often it's for people who feel alienated by America, whether it's because of racism, like there's a whole tradition of black Americans coming to France to um, kind of escape the American story and all the stress of life I- okay. in America, and that's been going on for like over a century now. And uh, yeah, there's like it's this place where things are more beautiful, more refined, more elegant. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a fantasy, it's of a fantasy. course. Yes, but I think the adult i the adult ideas about France that we were just talking about. Those reach children too, of course. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she has this fantasy about France, so she travels through her phone. And what are the places that she decides to go to then in Paris?
1: So there were a few things that I wanted to make sure she experienced because they are things that I love about Paris. Um, I wanted her uh, to eat chouquettes (laughs) (laughs) Ride in a tiny elevator, like a little one of those narrow There's elevators, the highest elevators yeah. <laughs>
0: in the small buildings.
1: And I really wanted her to jump on the trampolines at the Tuileries Gardens because that's one of my that was yes. one of my kids' uh, kids' favorite activities. I don't know if you ever seen those in ground trampolines yes. where you like pay, you get I'm a off. You, <laughs> for you know, ten minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah and Then they kick off. Second off, right? <laughs> i wanted i wanted josephine to eat an oyster
0: ah that's an interesting choice for a child Hmm. (laughs) does this go back to what you've seen with french children with food
1: it's not that i've seen tons of french children (laughs) eating oysters although my kids really love oysters like they adore oysters they even like snails but i just didn't want to
0: Eating a yeah, snail. It
1: too. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I haven't ever eaten a snail, nor do I want to. Um, but I have made, like, I, I didn't eat oysters when I moved here. Now mm-hmm. I really enjoy yeah. them. If they're good. <laughs> but I think there's something about consuming a part of a place. Yes. That um, is, like, I think, a trans- can be a transformative experience. Mm. So, and an oyster felt like weird and and slimy enough <laughs> to be scary for Josephine but not impossible to imagine eating mm. and they're really delicious and it's so um oysters are so earthy they like come from the sea you feel like you're consuming like i don't know a piece of not i mean obviously they don't grow in Paris but like they consuming like a piece of of, of the country French, like there's the, country. the
0: life piece of it and you feel like it's, it's like a whole seat.
1: organism yeah yeah and it just and after you have it you're like okay now I'm French in a way <laughs> I wanted to play with the idea that Frenchness is like a state of being that you can mm. achieve and that she's learning in the book she's learning how to be French okay so and what would
0: be the main steps to become French so, what are the steps that she goes through to become French? So, there's the oyster.
1: Um, um, I mean, she
0: visits like a French, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, she visits a museum and she goes to the ballet and she jumps on the trampolines and she walks. She's a flaneuse. She walks around the city. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, which is really um, she the does, main
0: activity in Paris is to walk, wander around the city with your eyes up in the air. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah you know at one point she says to she and she has this French mother Hmm. who's like in every way much better than her American mother if she's sort of the ideal. (laughs) she has her real mother but then in her fantasy when Hmm. she travels to Paris she has this French mom right who's like everything does she smoke (laughs) she does not smoke because this is at its core, children's American book. Children's book, an American children's book too. <laughs> I don't think we could put that in French uh, in right. the French children's book. <laughs> so, um, but her the French mother is more style. You know, her American mother is like on deadline and she has a ponytail and sweatpants and she's harried, whereas the French mother is all coiffed and and lovely. And at one point, she says, "Like, um, I'm trying to remember what the rhyme is like." Odile, and the mother's name is Odile, and then she has this brother Pierre. Odile, Pierre, this is so cool, but don't you go to work and school? <laughs> and the mother says, like, welcome to the nations that is always on vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of like this, this place, this ultimate leisure place where people know how to know how to live the good life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of, it's it's funny because it's sort of is the image that we had uh, in Emily in Paris, I did a couple of episodes of how Emily in Paris, the TV show is not, Netflix show is not really the real Paris. Right. And this whole piece where they talk a lot about the art of doing nothing and the art of just being on holidays. And
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: It's quite a- lot. <laughs>
1: so I was playing with the, the stereotype, um, which has, I mean, there's a lot of holiday in France.
0: Oh, it's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, yeah. It's minimum five weeks paid holidays, and you often have RTT. So when you have a specific status and you're supposed to be on a thirty-five hour week, as you do go over, you'd get uh, paid days off to sort of do your admin or go on holidays. So. Right. In some industries, I have like friends who go up to nine paid weeks leave Amazing. a year.
1: And do they really take those nine weeks?
0: Most, uh, maybe not all the time, because it does add up quite a bit, and you need to find the time to finish your work projects also. Um, but I, I, they would try to take them all. They wouldn't necessarily, but I, I'd say they'd at least take seven. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I have American uh, friends who will come to visit me for like three days here from yeah. New York.
0: Wow. Uh, it's a long ride for, uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be a packed three days. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, they only get
0: two weeks, so a year. No, no, in this land you have to optimize your optimize okay. your days. But it with was. remote working, it's become easier now.
1: It has. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. They can just sort of park here for some. Yeah. Work in a
0: cafe. Well, when is open. When <laughs> <laughs> a cafe yeah. for, <laughs> for a few hours. Okay. okay, let's move on to the recommendations then in Paris. As Josephine wanders around the city, what would be for you a bar, a restaurant and a carte blanche so any spot of your choice
1: well I would say a, a place that's uh, both very kid friendly and where uh, kids can eat a sort of I don't know what they're called in, in English the um, the egg à la coque
0: um, so they wouldn't be it wouldn't be softballed Eggs. Eggs.
1: Soft boiled, maybe it's like a five minute egg,
0: but they do a really great it's, one because it's a, uh, a fillet cook is three minutes. It's three minutes. I like it. Yeah.
1: From, I like it five minutes. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm obviously not French it's Three, six, nine. <laughs> Are you sure it's definitely only three minutes? Yeah, yeah,
0: because if you, six is really soft boiled, soft boiled. So it is the fillet. Uh huh. So the white is fully hard and the, yellow, the um, yolk. The yolk is, is still it. soft. Yeah, it's slightly soft and runny, but I like cook is really, it's only three minutes after that. It sort of goes to mullig. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. So um, I would say. Um,
0: Your cooked soft boiled egg. With the, okay. egg.
1: <laughs> with the mouillettes. With the mouillettes, which I think are called soldiers in English, the little oh, okay. sort of sliced, slices of toast that you dip in. Juice. I think that's a sort of, with a nice uh, glass of fresh squeezed orange juice. And maybe a tartine on the side. (laughs) So I would go get the breakfast special, which includes all of that at, uh, this is not a paid endorsement. (laughs) And and this place doesn't actually need more business, but it's a Cafe Charlot in the third. Okay. Um, I just, just opposite the Marché des Enfants Rouges. All right.
0: It's a nice, nice area in the Marais.
1: So good people (laughs) watching. You can go stroll around the market Mm. afterward. There's a park just nearby. With a closed street for kicking soccer balls around, so I would say, and it's good for parents too. It's a very good place to work on weekdays, so I would say that would be my spot.
0: So café charlot
1: and café charlot, yeah, kid friendly and also grown up friendly. And for uh, n'importe quoi, um, I would say my well, my favorite activity in in Paris especially now that it's sunny is I'm a I'm a tennis right so I would say if you can get a court at the Jardin Luxembourg Mm. that's kind of
0: that is class yeah that is there's really
1: nothing better than um than even losing at the Jardin de (laughs)
0: Luxembourg yeah just yeah the courts are really nice they're in the middle of this big park that is super central
1: yeah and they're, they're not, it's hard to get a reservation, but they're not expensive once you mm. can, they're, um, they're run by the regional, the regional association. Yeah. So it's not like a private club. And what about
0: the bar?
1: The bar, um, uh, there's the clown bar, which I like. Right. Okay. Um, it's also a rest, I mean, like most bars, it's also a restaurant, like many bars, Yeah, it's a very small place to just sort of go and either sit on the terrasse or or just go to the bar for a drink. It's on the Rue Amelot in the 11th.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah. Full of a place full of bars. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay, so before we wrap up, I'd like to know which song Josephine would play on her tour of Paris
1: josephine's theme song uh, is, tell me if it's, it's really cheesy i was kind of carla it doesn't matter
0: carla, a...
1: carla bruni singing stand by your man
0: nice
1: <laughs> Just, it's like such an american song and i love that she sings it in a french accent and i actually think um she has a she has a wonderful voice
0: she has a lovely voice yeah Yeah. <laughs> okay well go with carla bruni then okay. <laughs> Nice. <laughs>
1: so well thank you
0: very much uh this was a great great chat where can we find your books right now where are they published
1: um anywhere books are sold including independent booksellers okay and i have a website it's pamela druckerman.com and there are links book buying links there as well as links to i do a lot of journalism i write for the new york times and Uh, 1843, The Economist. So all my stuff is there.
0: Okay, we'll link that in the comments then. Yeah.
1: Oh, and one more thing is that since COVID appeared in our lives, uh, my husband and I have been running a free online university, in quotes, called Pandemonium U. And we have free classes. Now we do them about twice a month with uh, world experts, people who've written books, Um, uh, on lots of French themes. So if you go to pandemoniumu.com, you can see... A list uh, recordings of all our past classes and and all the ones that are coming up we have one uh, this coming friday and um, many scheduled for the future
0: okay well we'll link that that website also Terrific. in the comments amazing thank you well thank you for listening as usual i uh, will link all the recommendations and the websites in the comments and stay tuned for the next episode thank you <laughs> thank
1: you so much